This morning's gospel lesson is written in the ninth chapter of the gospel according to St. Mark, beginning with the second verse. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our salvation. O Lord, open my lips and your mouth will declare your praise. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us today. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What I love about the year of Mark and this particular Sunday is that Mark gives, I believe, gives us this incredible context, this incredible scriptural context for why we have Transfiguration Sunday. What really is Jesus saying here to me in the book of uh, and Mark is, is just amazing. What helped me to see that was when I was in seminary in my last year, I was asked to preach at a healing service. And in the healing service, the text was Mark chapter 8. And it's one where Jesus heals the man at Bethsaida, and, and, and he, he heals him in two step, stages. The one, he touches him once, and, and then touches him again. He touches him once. He says, I see people as though they're trees. He touches, them again, he touches him again, and he can see perfectly clearly. But you see, all of this fits together. I mean, it's, it's really an amazing thing. And it begins with, actually, this whole, the whole text begins with the feeding of the 5,000. And when they get into the boat and they're going across the lake to the other side, to Bethsaida, Jesus begins to teach the disciples. And he says, beware of the yeast of Herod. And he's trying now to teach them something. And the disciples don't get it. So they go, "Uh uh-oh, we forgot bread. When Jesus is talking about yeast, we forgot bread. Now he's angry at us for not bringing bread. And they're talking amongst each other. It's like he's trying to teach them, you know, I'll tell you, you know, you see it with the students. You start to teach, and some of the students on the side where they think outside your peripheral vision, they're talking, you know? And it's like Jesus looking at them and saying, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about bread. He goes, 
didn't we just feed 5,000 people and 4,000 and how much bread was left over? Well, they said, well, seven baskets and 12 baskets. Do you think we could get some bread? I'm trying to teach you something bigger. He says, do you have eyes but you can't see? Do you have ears that you can't hear? Are your hearts so hard that you cannot even get what I'm trying to impart on you? And they sit in silence. They don't say a word. Not one of them says, puts up their hand and says, Jesus, Jesus, I want to see. Jesus, I want to understand. Jesus, I want you to soften my heart. Jesus, I want you to re reveal this to me. I need it, Jesus. I need that. Not one. They sit there. And the silence, because this is happening when they're underway, and Jesus rebukes them and says, don't you get it? Don't you understand who I am? And they're silent. They're silent. And I can just hear the waves pounding against the boat. And they're moving across the water. And can you imagine what it would be like sitting there in the boat with Jesus? You understand that you have just flunked your midterm. And he's sitting there, and you're sitting there, and the tension would be unbearable. Finally, they get to the shore, and it must have seemed like an eternity. Finally, they get to the shore. They get out of the boat, and a man comes down to the shore with a group of people and says, Jesus, I want to see. I am blind, and I want to see. And so Jesus takes this man and leads him off into a private place outside the village. He spits, puts his hands on his eyes. I mean, you know, like a lot of people get grossed out by that. Notice that that text is not in the lectionary. And there's a reason. Because it's pretty, I mean, a lot, for a long time, the church really didn't put it in context. And they were going, what is it? I mean, it's an imperfect thing. Jesus did things in two stages. I mean, he wasn't perfect. Well, Jesus is perfect, and everything he does is perfect. And he was preaching to his disciples, and he's preaching to his disciples now. Because, and he's saying, you know what? You people, you never ask me to see. You just sit there like bumps on the log. I did for the longest time. Sat in the, in the pew and just said, Jesus, you know, I think I can see. I, can th I think I can see pretty clearly. But when the truth of it was, I was blind as a bat. And I was a time when I was blind. There was a time I couldn't see. And that was a good time because at least then I'd say, I can't see and I need to see. But now that I can see, I'm messed up because I think I can see. And I think I can understand Jesus. And I think I can. And really, I'm just like the disciples that when Jesus starts talking about bread, they go, we forgot bread. And he's thinking, huh, you're thinking about bread. You're dying and you're thinking about bread. And I think that's the way we are in the church. We refuse to admit we're blind. We refuse to admit we're deaf. We refuse to admit that we're dolts like the disciples. Instead of saying, you know, Jesus, I'm blind. Jesus, I'm blind. I can't see. I cannot see you. And so anyways, the amazing thing is Jesus touches him once. He goes, well, I see men like trees and 
And, and then he touches him again, and he can see clearly. So Jesus is promising his disciples that they'll begin to see clearly who he is. But now it's muddy. So the very next scene, we have Jesus and his disciples, and they say, um, he asks them, who do you say I am? Or who do people say I am? And they give a bunch of answers. And then he asks, but who do you say I am? Peter puts up his hand and says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. So see, Jesus had touched him. And he could say, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Great. And then when Jesus talks about what it means to be the Messiah and that he's got to die and rise again, Peter goes and rebukes him and says, no, you can't. You can't die. And it's Jesus like says to him, get thee behind me, Satan. So he saw a little bit, but he saw that little bit as seeing clearly, but he didn't. And once again, can you imagine what it would have been like to be Peter, that you're at the head of the class, you know, you, you got the right answer, and then Jesus rebuked him. Jesus called him Satan. I can't imagine what that would be like. You know, I had a kind of an experience like that when we were at, when I was at CB, CLBI and I was reading J uh, John in John, the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, and I'm reading through the great priestly prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples, and he's praying in heaven for us today. He's praying for unity among Christians. That's what Jesus prays for. And then I said, and so we're reading along, and he says, and, G and Jesus said, and thank you, Lord, for keeping all these, all of my apostles, keeping them all, you know, together with me in unity, well, except for the one that was, that was foretold in Scripture, the son of perdition. And I, I say to the class, who's that? And you know, with one voice, the class said, Judas, one voice. Then I read along in the prayer, and Jesus is praying for those that are going to come to believe through the testimony of the disciples. And I said, and who's that? And they sat in silence. They were absolutely silent. And I said, and who's that? Who is Jesus praying for? Silence. And finally, this, this diminutive little woman, 21 years old, she puts up her hand, and I go, Yes? She goes, is it us? <laughs> I said, could you say that louder? She said, is it us? And I said, you get an A. You get an A today because it was, you were right. You were 100% right that, that Jesus is praying for us there. This is Jesus' prayer for us that is in heaven today. And I said, what I love is every one of you got Judas with one voice. But you couldn't get us. You couldn't see us in the Bible. You could only see Judas. What does that say about us? It says that we're blind because we couldn't even see ourselves in the Bible. I mean, amazing. And do you think they're any different than me or you? No. 
but I, I couldn't believe it. It's like Jesus says, and I pray for those who come to believe in me from the testimony of the apostles. That's me. That's you. But we can't see it. Wow. I thought, wow. Okay. If one thing you can remember, if you remember one thing I tell you, that Jesus is in heaven praying for you right now, that you have unity with other Christians, and that we are a light to the world. I hope you see that now. It was amazing. It's amazing how we can see Judas and not ourselves in the Bible. Wow. That's amazing to me. <laughs> see what I mean about seeing and not seeing? It's amazing. I learned a lot. When you're in Bible school, you assume everyone's on the same page. Not really. I mean, and can, but see, that is a really important thing. Do you see yourself in the Bible? Do you see yourself as that man who's blind and needs to see? That's really important. And see, what transfiguration says is, do you want to see Jesus the way he wants to reveal himself to you? That's what Transfiguration Sunday is all about. Do you want to see? Do you want to see him? Do you want to see, his, do you want to see him lit up? Do you want to see that? I do. After this week, I want to see it more and more and more. And what I want to do is I want to say, okay, you know, it is really time that we begin to be really honest about, you know, yeah, I, I mean, do we see it? Do you see this in the text? Do you see yourself in the text? Do you see yourself as Lazarus? Do you see yourself as Mary and Martha? Do you see yourself as the disciples? I mean, that's really important. And so now here we have Peter who went from the top of the class to the bottom of the class. He went from uh, declaring the, the highest truth in the universe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, to going to the, ba the bottom of the class and saying that he is equi the equivalent of Satan, and then what does Jesus do to him? And this is the most beautiful thing, and this is the grace of God, this is the grace of Jesus, this is you are saved by grace through faith and not by your works and not by your inability to see Jesus, but he takes him by the hand and he takes him to the top of the mountain and he prays to God, and while he's praying, he allows that Peter to see this guy who was the equivalent of Satan to see the nature of Jesus Christ shine forth from him. Glory, hallelujah. There is, there is hope for me, there is hope for you that Jesus would do this incredible thing. And he was doing even more then. He was making the people think, those three think back to the time of Moses. Because Moses, there's Moses with the law. I love the picture because there's Moses with the tablets. And he's got the law. And it makes them think back, okay, what did God do? What did God do with Moses and the children of Israel in, in the Exodus? Well, he took them to a mountain. And at the top of the mountain, that they could, there were 72 elders. And, and Moses went to the top of the mountain. And they saw God. They saw the brilliance and radiance of God. And they saw God sitting on the throne. And they saw beneath God's throne, beneath his feet, like a lake, and like like. A, a jewel, like the, the most incredible jewel that you have ever seen. And that what Jesus was doing at that particular moment in time for these people was saying, you are looking at the same. 
that you are seeing God and that you are seeing the light of God. And you're seeing it as witnesses. Moses' law says that everything has to be established by two or three witnesses. And there they were. And you know, Moses and Elijah are testifying about Jesus. Those are two witnesses. The law and the prophets, they witnessed to Jesus. They testified to Jesus. They preached to Jesus. They're saying, well, they're talking to Jesus. Well, don't you see what they're doing? They're telling you, they're, they're conveying to you that everything that Moses said, that everything that Elijah said, that everything that Moses did, that everything that Elijah did, it all points to Jesus. We're all talking about Jesus. And so when you're in, if you ever go to a, a, a conference or you ever go to somewhere and someone says, well, we're not really quite sure that the law speaks to, to Jesus. We're really not sure that the Old Testament taken in its entirety speaks to Jesus. This is what you should be thinking of in your mind. You should be thinking, number one, that that person is blind that's speaking to you. And that what you need to have in your mind is the image of Jesus with Moses on one side and Elijah on the other speaking to Jesus, which says that the Old and New Testament speak to, about Jesus. They testify to his coming. They testify to his birth, to his earthly ministry, to his suffering, and to his death, and to his resurrection. And every time we look at that Old Testament, when we look at a prophet or we look at any law, what we have to say is, Lord Jesus Christ, you show me how this points to you. And don't let me listen to anyone that says it does not point to you. That everything in that testament testifies to you. And, you know, it was an amazing thing because, you know, when, again, with these kids at CLBI, when we're going, you know, it's an amazing thing because what they did was they kept, look, they, you know, they kept wanting to defend the bad guys in the book of Job. It was like, well, you know, actually what they're saying is right. And I go, really? Is this what you say to a sick person? Is this what you say to someone who's got a diagnosis that they're going to be sick? You tell them that they're sinners? and that God punishes sinners, and that suffering is a punishment from God for sinners, and you've got to turn to God when you've got someone like Job in the, in the prologue who was a, a righteous and a pious man who loved God, who, who feared the Lord, and who shunned evil, and who was offering sacrifices and prayers for his children and for himself. I mean, you say that to someone like that? Really? You say that to them? Is that good pastoral ministry? Is that being a man or woman of God when you kick someone when they're down? You know, it's about seeing. It's about seeing. And yet, when we were done, on the last day, the last lecture, that they could see the light of Christ shining in suffering that they could see that, that sometimes as Christians and as Jews before the coming of, of, of Jesus, that people suffer for a higher purpose. That Job 
was declared righteous by God, that had to affirm his righteousness so that the devil would be defeated, that, in what, and that God would use Job in a way to defeat the devil, and that God uses suffering and used the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross and his scourging and everything else so that, so that, that evil is defeated. That is how evil is defeated by God, in suffering. And we need to see that in the Bible. We need to see that in Jesus. We need to see that, that sometimes when we suffer, that God uses that suffering for a higher good so that evil is defeated and people can come to the light. And that's what Jesus is saying, that if you look at me, if you look at me, just not in, and you know, here's, here's the proof. I, I mean, for me, it just, it just all came together. Here we have Peter, James, and John on the mountain of transfiguration, and they saw Jesus shine, and they saw that light. But then think about the thief on the cross with Jesus. The two of them are hanging on the cross, and they're dying together. And that thief looks, and the one thief is making fun of Jesus. And the other thief says to him, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? We deserve what we're getting. But he doesn't deserve it. He's innocent. He's innocent, and his suffering is innocent. And he's suffering for us. And in humility, so he saw Jesus glow. In his suffering, he saw Jesus glow. He saw that. It, his suffering was transfigured for him. And that he could say to him, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He could see who Jesus was. And I believe that when we, that we come to that point at times in our lives where, we, where, where that suffering, it produces Jesus. I see in your suffering and I can see in my suffering, I can see, I can see you. I can see you transfigured. Remember me. And Jesus' words, they echo, they reward. Today, you will be in paradise with me. What a beautiful thing. That's what transfiguration is about. It is a desire to see Jesus. It is a de desire to see his glory. It is a desire to see his glory on the mountaintop. It is the desire to see his glory in his humiliation. It is the desire to see his glory in his suffering. It is the desire to see his glory in his death. And it is this desire to see his glory in the resurrection. And the hope that I have,
And the hope that I want you to have is that now we see Jesus like he was a tree walking around. But one day we will see his face. Think of the privilege of that blind man that day that the first face he saw clearly was that of the Lord. Think of the privilege of the disciples that day that they were able to see his glory manifest. But we will see the same. We will see the same. We thank God Almighty that we will see the same. Amen.